0: Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Disco on Lithub Radio, episode 180 Comfort Lit. Today, as the election looms in America and tensions run high, we wanted to talk about what we're reading that's bringing us peace, what's helping us stay calm or at least distracting us from an incessant, terrifying news cycle. And rather than uh, just offer our own ideas, we asked our listeners to chime in with what they're reading for comfort, and we got a whole lot of responses. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. We're Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me as always our novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hi, guys. Hello. Oh, God. No. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus.
2: <laughs> you okay guys. there, Todd? The sigh
1: of the ages. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm struggling. Yeah. I'm struggling.
2: <sighs> okay, it's October 27th. We, I feel like we need to timestamp every episode because some inevitable oh, horror. Day by
0: day, week by week, yeah.
1: Yeah, so this is, this is your literary disco election special. So this will be out by the election and uh just want to say i'm struggling okay <laughs> these these last these last like couple weeks they've been hard like i feel hopeful and that is causing me to feel sadness and that's not how i should feel what's <laughs> not supposed to work that way
2: yeah how do you get from hope to sad
1: well okay so I feel more hopeful right now that Joe Biden is going to win the presidency than I did that Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency. Mm. Yes. Um, Like, I feel like the chaos in the world and 250,000 dead Americans by the time November is up and all these other uh, things that are benchmarks of the horrible way Donald Trump has run our country. The people, irrespective of their political party, are just done Mm -hmm. you know they don't people don't want to live in chaos irrespective of their beliefs about taxes they don't want to live in chaos and so i feel hopeful that we're going to see a good turnout on november 3rd and the votes will be there and and this dark period in our time will be done i feel worried that it won't matter (laughs) i feel worried that there will be some election interference i worry there will be violence i worry that you know the dumb fuckery of donald trump will last another six weeks until um the inauguration i worry that i'm going to have to get on next door and actively plot out who i'm gonna take out
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think next door is a good place for you to be God. It's a
1: terrible place for me to be. It's a terrible place for me to be. I'm a great next-door troll, though. I'm so good at it.
2: Ryder, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I mean,
0: it's weird. Like, I mean, I sort of... I was able to turn something off in my brain a couple of weeks ago. I I, I, I mean, actually, probably more like a month ago. When, when Ginsburg died, something there's something just sort of snapped (laughs) yeah right any last vestige any last vestige of hope and and you know actually it wasn't when Ginsburg died it was the next day when all the Republicans were like well we're ramming this through because the night of I was frantically looking through my phone and and, and finding the you know the evidence and the videos of Graham and everybody saying like all the things use my words against me and I was like oh yeah maybe they won't be this craven and and maybe they won't just be this hypocritical. and then and then, when they were, it was like, "No, okay, the system is this broken. Um and and so, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm on this weird I'm in this weird spot of like i'm I'm hunkering down and I'm just trying to take care of myself because if I nurse my own hope uh, too much, I'm afraid it will just come crashing down. That's like um, the
1: worst Emily Dickinson poem I've ever heard. It is. If I nurse my I own nurse hope, my hope, <laughs> it will all come crashing down. Hope did not stop for me. Uh,
0: <laughs> I heard hope die.
1: Um, hope no. is that podcast with feathers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, like, I, I guess what it is, is I'm no longer looking for good news. Um and I'm just sort of taking care of myself and my family and um, and preparing for the worst. Um, I have decided on election night, I am turning everything off. I am going to text all my friends, you know, all those same friends who immediately texted me, fuck, with an exclamation point when Ginsburg died. And I'm going to tell them I am turning my phone off. Do not text me. Uh, and I'm going to turn off my computer. I'm going to turn on the Criterion channel and get drunk and watch old movies. That's my plan. <laughs> and then wake up wake up Wednesday morning and be able to find out what happened or at least what has happened up until then there's, because there's, there's probably no not going to be way. an answer. But there's I do no not want way. my anxiety levels to go through the roof for no reason. What can there's I do no, at that point? There's, there's nothing no I can do. I, do. I just don't be- want to be sitting there watching the TV going, Oh my God. Oh, my God. Because here's the thing. I I do think you, I think you're right, Todd. I think the, the polls are 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 being are positive. They're, they're you know, the, the incredible voter turnout is just it's so uh, that is uplifting. But I just don't want to be I don't want to be sitting there putting myself through that roller coaster it doesn't have any value for me. Like what has value is the actual information. Me knowing it at the same time that it actually happens doesn't. Unless, like, people literally start roaming the streets of Los Angeles with guns, which, hey, could possibly happen. But I'm, I feel, actually, I feel pretty comfortable in LA. I don't, I'm not worried about Los Angeles, especially not where I live. Like, I I don't, right. I think if I lived in Kentucky, if I lived uh, in Atlanta, if I lived in, uh, you know, essentially uh, black, dense black areas, uh, urban areas surrounded by uh, a lot of Trump voters, white Trump voters, I would be a little worried more worried yeah. um, because I do I do I have a major major concerns about violence in the streets. I cannot believe that we're actually at that point, but you know, I feel like the veil has been like ripped off and people are people are prepared for that and people you know, on you know on both sides, but certainly uh, you know people are prepared to take the streets on both sides. And so no matter what the outcome is there's going to be activity in the streets and unfortunately that activity this summer has already led to death and so in the heat of an election night I am terrified that there will be violence and and then whatever the result is or the immediate result that might change in the weeks to come there will be um there will be a lot of anger and and there will be a lot of marching and a lot of armed marching and that just that scares me, you know, uh, the the parallel that I've heard and I might have already said this on the show, so forgive me. The the, the parallel that somebody put it best is is that if if we enter a period of, of true civil unrest with violence in the streets, you know, the, the the closest model is not like a civil war, you know, in a foreign right. country. It's more like the troubles in Northern Ireland in the 80s or the 70s through the 90s, where you have this you have acts of terror and a, and a police crackdown and a police and a military crackdown and acts of terror. And, and that in American context is absolutely terrifying because we have a lot of guns. Um, Right. So those are the, these are the fearful middle of the night thoughts I have. Um, and but again, I don't. And you're,
1: and you're going to assuage that on election night by watching It's a Wonderful Life on the well, Criterion Channel?
0: Yeah, because there's nothing <laughs> I can do about it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit out with a gun on my porch. What does that do? That just contributes to the problem. Um,
1: but imagine TMZ that next day, <laughs> boy meets world star spotted in Eagle Rock with gun on lap. Oh my God. <laughs> I might leak that shit. Hey,
0: I've been the one tweeting about nonviolence. I am. I am one of the books I wanted to talk about that I am reading is the guide for nonviolence, a practical handbook by Michael N. Nagler. I have been oh, he's holding it up, guys. Reading this is full up on, reading on, Rambo. On yes, I, I am going deep on Gandhi. I am going deep on Martin Luther King. I am trying to find a place where I start understanding political action. That is nonviolent because I think that is super important for us to be talking about and to be uh, uh, messaging constantly because, uh, you know, we just need to get back to a place where we believe in democracy. Like democracy is something that has to be maintained and we have to believe in it. And the really fucked up part of this country is that Second Amendment factor where we also believe that the solution to preserving our uh, rights is to... Be able to be violent, the potential for violence, and I think that is so crazy, you know. And I think that that is a fundamental. Uh, I think it's a misstep, and I think that you know we all buy into it because we all believe in the Constitution, and and so on some level we we believe in this, like well we have to have guns in our house in case the government comes to take. Like I don't, you know, all the arguments, but like. Uh, I, I think we just need to start exploring peace movements and nonviolent movements as much as possible, and talking about it as much as possible. Because, you know, no matter what your political affiliation is, the means to your the means to to, to your political ends should never be violence. I just firmly believe that, and and the only way that that works is if more people
1: believe it. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what's your coping mechanism been lately, Julia Pistel?
2: <laughs> wow. Well, this is so. Yeah, interesting to hear. Well, I know where Todd's at because Todd and I are surfing the wave of the social media all day, every day. Whereas writers reading Gandhi at yeah. home. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, writers reading Gandhi at home and I'm I'm learning, like, could I kill a guy? <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm in the middle. So my feeling is... When I get the most stressed about national politics, which I am very stressed, I feel more cynical, less hopeful than I did in 2016, which probably just means I was naive in 2016, but that's fine. Um, I triple down locally. That's my methodology. So I'm friends with four of our city councilmen. I'm donate. There's an ice. Uh, Office across the street from my house. There's protests there all the time. I'm donating money to get people out of detention locally. Um, Mm. Like that's my best coping mechanism for all this is like I have no control over the larger picture, especially living in a super blue state as you guys do. So, is there something on the ground that I can do that's not crying and donating to Act Blue every day?
1: Right. Look, Act Blue got to stop paging me. Act Blue is all up on me. I'm hearing from Act Blue more than I heard from, like, my psycho girlfriend in college. I I voted. It's done.
2: But I I want to respond a little bit to what Ryder's saying because I feel like step one before we get deep into nonviolence which i agree with um but part of the reason i agree with it is i feel safe you know that's my privilege right. our privilege right. um is protecting black indigenous people of color their first their bodies then their rights then their interests or whatever order you want to put that in but like those are the folks that we have to feel safe i think it's really really hard for people who are really privileged and really white to like mm-hmm. almost get into politics like sports, We all know this is happening, but like, mm-hmm. how in danger are the three of of us? You know, like that is a That's I, that right. we shouldn't answer that literally, but that is a question that I have to remind myself to ground myself, like no matter what happens, I still have privilege. I still have power. I still have money. I still have safety. So I have to continue to deploy those. Um, very deliberately, which is really hard when you're in basically fight, flight, or freeze. Right. Um, But that's what, that's what I'm doing, I guess. It's not really doing, it's thinking. I mean, one of the things that's most interesting about this week that kind of energizes me is, like, we're in the election. Like, that election day energy is yeah. now, and it's just sustained over two weeks. Yeah which is too much adrenaline for my physical body but it does feel <laughs> it does feel good in a way like it feels like this is such a pandemic thing it feels like something's actually fucking happening and right. i am so happy about that you know like we're we're there we're you can see the finish line of something it will probably go ass up but <laughs> something will happen on november 4th right yeah,
1: yeah like like yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be another side to this feeling that yes. we're having, yes. and it might yes. be profound sorrow or it might be profound joy but this portion of our existence is going to be changed like we're we're going to be different in six months than we were right now we have all Even dreaded november
2: 3rd or looked forward to it for years now for yeah. years it feels like one long year
1: you know what i, I think about sometimes you know um for longtime listeners of the show, you you'll probably remember this. Like we had taken a really long break, um, you know, the before the election of 2016. We we were all in the middle of these big projects and stuff. And, you know, we ended up taking like four months off of the show. And then we came back, you know, right after the election. And um, you know, we basically told the listeners, hey, look, you know, we're gonna be here for the next four years doing this and talking about this stuff because books are important and talking about books is important because it creates empathy um and i believed that then and i believe that now and what i also believe is that these last four years have taught the american people something they did not know and that is that bad things happen here mm-hmm. and that inactivity allows it to be you know that the trail of tears was not that long ago and you know you being benign in your involvement, uh, allows for these sorts of things. And I was benign in my involvement in, you know, from 2008 until 2016, I just thought that the entire world believed what I believed. I now know completely the opposite (laughs) that the, that, you know, a huge portion of the American society believes completely counter to what I believe. And also thinks that I should die for my beliefs. And that, um, I think that's energized not just me, but a lot of people to be more active. And that's why you're seeing, not just because of the pandemic, these profound numbers of early voting. People are like, yes, let's fucking go. Yeah. I I am ready to have my voice out there and then I'm going to continue talking about this stuff. And that is not what we experienced in 2016. Mm -hmm. It, it, It was nothing like this the the fervor was nothing like this because people didn't know what Donald Trump was going to be they only knew what he was and people you know people had these big opinions about Hillary Clinton right or wrong um that really you know cleaved their way through america people don't have that opinion about Joe Biden <laughs> you know and it it's a completely different experience and and that's that's the hope that i have um, that people have realized over the course of these last four years that in, indifference leads to suffering um, and that empathy is something that you have to work toward if you want to achieve things. Um, and, you know, for four years that we've been doing this show, you know, every two weeks or however long it's been, all the stuff that, stuff that we've read, all the conversations that we've had have been colored by the fact that we're living in a, a present that is unlike anything any of us had ever imagined. Um And I want that present to end.
0: Yeah. And I, not not to be too much of a downer, but you know, the flip side, I mean, like the sort of worst case scenario in my mind, and when there's a lot of worst case scenarios, but a really bad scenario is this there's a huge voter turnout, right? Mm -hmm. That we're already seeing. So it seems to me that we're going to be at historic levels of voter turnout and. Uh, democratic involvement, which is what you're talking about, you know that right. people are are voting and uh, they are aware finally of their power and the importance of their vote. If Joe Biden wins the popular vote, and yet because of the Electoral College, Trump gets in, that's going to be really, go- really disappointing. we're
1: going to burn the country that's, down <laughs> because that's when
0: we, I mean uh, we 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 yeah. already know the system is. Right now rigged for minority rule, right? But when it's that bad. I mean, it's, it's already happened, right? It's happened twice It's the last two uh, Republican presidents like the you can't like that is like that, that is evidence of such a broken system in the same way that this confirmation of the Supreme Court is evidence of a oh, broken God. system and like that will be really really hard because because I am um, you know, I am uh, happy about all this groundswell and all the, the way that people are, are finally talking about race and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. awareness of other people, uh, people's lived experiences, you know, like, I, I just think that's like, oh my God, we've broken open so many wonderful things, you know, out of this tragic administration and this pandemic, like we've, we've, we're, we're getting somewhere in, in a lot of ways, but if something like that happens, um, that, that that betrays like how deeply you know fucked up the system is i don't know man like i you know at that point that's that's when i feel like everybody starts moving out of the country yeah. uh you know i mean i've already been having those conversations with how many of my friends i've had friends leave the country um right. you know which i've always been one of those people like no the point of the american experiment is you got to believe in it and be involved um, plus it is such the height of privilege to even to be able to talk about leaving America. Right. right? Um,
1: you stay yeah. and fight, you know, stay, you and, stay fight. and fight.
2: Well, as we transition to the books, nonviolently, uh, I want to,
1: unless you stand on my lawn, in which case I'll take your fucking teeth <laughs> out. <Jesus Christ. laughs>
2: I would love to make one recommendation as we move to all these listener recommendations, which is the podcast through line. Actually, this is a good book transition. Um, so one of the things that I do in general when I'm feeling really stressed about current events um is I
1: drink. drink. No,
2: I have actually the opposite. I have really really I'm almost don't drink anymore cuz it just makes you sadder, man. Anyway, um uh, if you get deep into history, you it's relaxing. Even if you're yeah. reading horrific history, because you can remind yes. yourself that w- we have been through things before, and there's a context right. to everything that we're doing, we all know this. But um, you know, reading like jokey. reading history can be really hard. Um, but I think podcasts have really awakened uh, awakened a love of history for a lot of people in our demographic and younger. So if you're not listening to Throughline, which is an NPR uh, podcast. It is so good, and they just did an episode on the Electoral College. Um, That's great. I
0: I just did uh, hardcore history, Dan Carlin's. Yes, he's had a whole World War II series, so I just finished listening to that, and that was great for that exact same reason. I couldn't believe, you know, when you're reading about like fighting in the Pacific. I mean, just what these people went through, yeah. And and the sense that like, oh, the war could uh, so easily have gone either way, you know, like, just losing that inevitability, Mm -hmm. that that sense of inevitability of history, if you can get yourself into that mindset, you're right, it's comforting. It's like, right, humans have been here before, and we get through it. And and great works of art were made. You know, people were writing plays and books and making movies and doing all of that while that was going on. I have to constantly remind myself.
2: Yeah, if you want to truly be submerged, um, Dan Carlin's This is one of his earlier projects. He just describes the history of Genghis Khan for like twenty hours, and it's just him talking, Uh, and Mm. it is so riveting. It is so riveting. Um, So yeah, Dan Carlin through line. Those are
1: my my go tos. But meanwhile, I'm listening to bizarre albums on Spotify, where every (laughs) week a guy talks about a really weird record. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. okay. So le- that that's a good transition, yes. actually, to our 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 re- our listeners' uh, recommendations because I do feel like there's kind of two camps, right? Like two general camps. There's escapism, mm-hmm. and. Nope, doubling down, mm-hmm. like, right? And I and I feel like it, I I think looking at the like ninety comments that we got or whatever, I think escapism kind of is winning, but there yeah. there's definitely some doubling down that I also really appreciate. Right. Uh, so what do we want to talk about? What was uh, what was suggested that stuck out to you guys?
2: Yeah. So we threw this out on Facebook and Twitter, but the Facebook really took off. So that's a win for zuckerberg i guess uh
1: <laughs> i deactivated
2: my account done
1: uh i've, I've doubled my account <laughs> there we
2: go escape or double down look here's anyway. the thing
1: like one, one of my big escapes is telling people on the internet to go eat a bag of dicks so <laughs> all <laughs> right that well here's something that... it's really helping <laughs>
2: Here's something that jumped out at me. Um, Has there
1: ever been, by the way, has there ever been a sentence that doesn't mean what it says quite like, how's that working out?
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, You should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, Anyway. All right. So here's a recommendation that jumped out. And I was like, yes, this is a good read. I'm going to pick this up. Um, Whenever I feel capable of reading, which is that's the third camp is like, I'm frozen, I can't do anything. And I respect that. Um, But someone recommended World War Z, uh, which Mm. I have read, and that's a great pick, because it is the one thing in the Venn diagram of what Ryder is saying. So World War Z is global it understands politics it's kind Um, of pandemic
0: yes but it's a zombie
2: book so you can be like yes what if zombies just rip through this fucking horrible reality we're living in okay (laughs) um
0: it's gonna turn out to be the third stage of the coronavirus right oh god
2: well uh have you guys noticed there's so many things uh greg and i were watching the west wing the other day And they're like, well, they're really the only bad thing that can happen is like a disease goes through everybody. And there's I feel like that's everywhere in old media now is people mentioning this as a possibility, but not really living. living
1: Uh, I I will say I I was watching that show Utopia on Amazon where there is there's a fake pandemic. Essentially, I did not find that comforting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) not comforting Uh, in the least so would would world war z is it horror is it like a horror novel or is it more sort of an actiony i've never read oh my god you
2: would love it maybe we should read it yeah um it's uh it's horror uh but it's from (sighs) it's been a while but i believe it is all told through like a diary first person documents but different ones
0: right Oh,
2: uh, okay. so some newspaper, some diaries, some dialogue—like real mishmash. Oh, um, well, so
0: that's interesting because then it kind of reflects the uh, the the news gathering uh, that's right. panic that I experience every day. Right. <laughs> yes. Right now. Yeah. See, that's see that is interesting because this—I mean, like when you when you when you pointed out the third camp, I I, I realized like that is really important to mention. Like I. I've, I've had a really hard time reading. Mm-hmm. Like, and I am mm-hmm. a constant reader. I love reading. It's what I live for, obviously. And throughout this pandemic, that has been one of the biggest side effects is that I find it so hard to read. And I am forcing myself to read. I'm, I'm actually listening to audiobooks more. Yeah, because too. the yeah. idea of like sitting down with a book... Is just, I am so constantly called to check my phone, to check the New York Times, to check the Washington Post, to check Twitter, and like, that is just really, really hard to get away from right now, because every, you know, anyway, so that's just a side note. But yeah, so if 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 it's written in that form, in a weird way, if, it, if the book mirrors my feed, I would probably, uh, I'd probably read through it. Yeah, uh, and
2: World War Z also takes a global perspective, so... Yeah. I mean one thing that's horrible about being us right now is we're so narcissistic about the US. Um and it's really nice to have a pullback on the rest of the world um through fiction. What were you gonna say, yeah. Todd?
1: Oh, um what was I gonna say? Oh, you know, the the thing for me about reading, to to go back to what Ryder is saying, um is that it's? It, I I feel the same way. It's been hard for me to escape into work. I've been reading a lot of my students' work because it's I have to to give them notes on things, and I have found that is a lot easier because it's an engaged experience where I am constantly like making decisions and making judgments and figuring out ways to solve riddles essentially. Right. And those riddles are how do I make this better? Or, how do I help this person solve the problems in their book? But lately, when I've been reading fiction or nonfiction, for that matter. It's hard to escape into the tension of another person's life when the tension of our own existence feels a thousand times more imperative. Yeah. And But I don't feel that way when watching TV, and I don't feel that way when listening to an audiobook. It's just the sitting and the reading that's been the problem. So I, it's a really weird experience that I'm having with reading right now, too. It's such a strange time. So it, it seems like the stuff that I... That I'm reading for work, you know, so if I'm writing a book review for someone or for our show, um, then I can get into it because I'm – there's an end result that has something larger. I have to go write something mm-hmm. versus just sitting there and enjoying something. That enjoying part has been way more difficult. Yeah, really hard.
0: All of all of which is – to like it's worth stating i am so impressed by our listeners like yes. the sheer variety of I books know. i didn't know i didn't know 95% of these books like yeah, a and team. i i am blown away by i mean i'm just I, i'm it makes me so happy to know that there's such diversity mm-hmm. and 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 that people are reading like we are still reading books um uh, it just makes me so happy um so thank you listeners for making me feel great about the world again.
1: Um, There's a lot of folks on this list that are reading, um, horror. It looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: I wonder if that, how much of that is about Halloween, right?
2: Like, I do think that there's Mm -hmm. a,
0: that's one of my
2: catharsis genres too, but Mm -hmm. you're right. Um, gotta love the spooky season.
1: Right. Like, uh, Lisa Quigley, who actually, I, I wasn't, I didn't realize Lisa Quigley had left this comment. Lisa Quigley is in fact a former MFA student of mine. Um, who has a horror novel out herself I Oh, so she's the <laughs> um, expert she is the expert and she hosts a fantastic uh horror podcast called uh, Ladies of Fright um but she's got this great list uh Growing Things by Paul Tremblay and Her Smile Will Untether the uh, the Universe by Gwendolyn Kisti a Cathedral of Myth and Bone by Cat Howard um those are this. all collections um, and then a bunch of horror novellas. Maybe a novella would help me right now. Right, something had, short. A yeah. lot
2: of these on here are short stories or novellas. Um, so one of the comments that popped out to me on a similar note was Haruki Murakami short stories. Did you guys yeah, ever get I saw into that? that? <laughs> a,
0: little I so, I a little bit. I did not. I only read um, uh, something bird. No, the wind-up the bird. The wind-up bird, bird. That's a whole collection. No, there was Wanda Wanda bird one, oh, Sputnik Sweetheart. Sputnik Sweetheart, and I did not like it,
2: So, that was years ago. Something I'm sure I've never mentioned on the show because a long time ago now is I lived in China for a year, and when I was there, I either brought or bought a whole bunch of his books, and his short stories are really good. They're super weird, magical realism, his strange style. So I thought that was a really good recommendation, both short and completely fucking bizarre. That sounds about right. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, so, I'm reading def- some Go ahead, writer I,
0: I was just going to bring up another genre um, that came up a lot and that I definitely relate to, which is crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed crime, but it's never been like my go-to or one of my. Go-to. But like, I, um, so uh, we had uh, a lot of people like we had Sherlock Holmes get suggested by someone named Daniel Sennis, uh, which I totally get. Um, and uh, someone, I'm not, I'm not sure who I can find it, but somebody brought up the Tana French book, The Searcher, yeah. the new, yeah, yeah. and I am listening to that right now. Uh, and then I went back and did an old school uh, Ross McDonald novel, uh, which is like one of the classics oh, of the crime genre, like Fuck. L.A. Noir. Uh, I literally,
1: I literally don't have the house I'm sitting in right now without the existence of Ross McDonald.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's so up your alley, right? Yeah, and, and I. <laughs> I loved it, man. Like, it was so no bullshit. It was not. Yep. Um, it didn't feel... Uh, it, it was the Galton case. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was super plotty, like, kind of ridiculously plotty, like, by the end. But I didn't care. Um, and and, and right. uh, as opposed to what I think... I think some of those other books from that era really, like, just lean heavily on the sexism and the racism. <laughs> and, like, I didn't... It was not marred yep. by that. Like, he's definitely <laughs> a tough guy, hard-boiled detective who, you know, slaps people around and, like... Literally
1: Archer. Yeah.
0: yeah. But he's not it's it's so it's just kind of it's just it's just plot and it's just detective mm-hmm. stuff. And I find that really comforting right now. Uh and so yeah, the Tana Searcher, the Tana French the Searcher, um is 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 a good one right now if you're into the crime stuff. Um uh, and then yeah, I, I think I'm gonna start going through a lot of old Ross McDonald. I think that like I love his voice. It's just so basic. I don't have yeah. to worry about like I don't know. I just don't. I feel like I'm in comfortable hands, and I'm going to get a good plot, and there's going to be twists and turns, and yep. I'm going to be surprised. That's kind of mm-hmm. all I want right now.
2: Yeah. So he um so- he was he was friends oh. with
1: my mom. Um, I met him when I was a kid. Really? Um, yeah. He lived in Santa Barbara. His real name, I think, was Keith, um, but everyone still called him Ross McDonald. Um, and he would always take part in the uh, Santa Barbara Writers Conference. That my mom was one of the um people that ran the one of the organizers of it. And so we'd go down there in the summertime and my mom would be holding court and it'd be, you know, Ross McDonald and Ray Bradbury and Fanny Flagg and all these people. And he was just like this nice old man that I met. And then I was like, Oh my god, that's Ross McDonald. You know, I, I knew and him when changed I was twelve. Your life. Wow. Yeah. He's a genius. He really is. One one of the greats that people forget about. Like they he's really, in my view, he's better than than Hammett. Um Yeah, he, I think so too. I Hammett mean I haven't read all, all that the, much
0: Hammett and Chandler, but like yeah. I really but like they, his stuff.
1: They get the, the plot, but Ross McDonald I think, was better at the craft, to be perfectly honest.
2: Yeah. I've never read anything by him.
1: He's good. He's real good.
2: On that crime note, somebody said, Cheryl Ann Schmidt said, I thought this was so interesting. I like books that have characters with secrets. Bonus for family secrets. Yes, mm-hmm. I like that idea, too. <laughs> I feel like that's the same impulse. It's like, for the duration of this book there will be tension and then there will be release and i will feel satisfied um mm-hmm. like i feel like what we don't want maybe a through line through a lot of these is like a lot of uncertainty you know so like right. really open ended literary fiction not a strong showing on this list Mm-mm. you know no,
1: very genre heavy all very
2: it, yeah. genre heavy and i feel that i that's what i do too is i listen to crime and horror and all that all that
0: interesting i tried to read um i just kind of randomly i I started rereading some tony morrison um i started rereading jazz and i love her like she is like you know top five author of all time for me but I I, I didn't want to keep reading it yeah uh yeah. because the the voice was so beautiful and it has this amazing like uh jazz opens with this sort of like uh unnamed narrator and she's kind of discussing gossip about the the, the people that live in her you know it, down down the street who you know have drama and and it it, it, it has like it's, it's such an interesting voice and such an interesting approach but it was too interesting for me. I was like, right. and I've, I've read this book before and I remember loving it. But I was like, I don't know if I have the energy right now. I guess I think you're right, Julia, like uncertainty, you know, the sort of mm. like ambiguity of how people like I want everybody to be judged immediately. <laughs> like I want to know, <laughs> know who's good, who's bad and like what they do to each other and like how they get out of a shitty situation or a good, you know, like I don't want it to be this like nuanced portrait of like the complexity of human beings dealing right. with each other right now. Like it's just, and then, and then to have like a really uh, like incredible ethereal voice that also adds another, another level of uncertainty to it. Like that's all the stuff I love about literature. Usually I'm just not into it. It's just,
1: too yeah. much and you know the the other interesting thing on this list is um there's a real absence for the most part of dystopian stuff hmm. um one of our listeners adriana lynn said i actually decided to reread 1984 and i read 1984 again like right after the election in <laughs> yeah we did it on the show right? yeah we did it on the show that's right yeah. it wasn't just me but like my desire for dystopian literature as comfort
2: Gone. Is
1: zero. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I don't need to understand how dystopia works. I get it. There's a a widespread pandemic. The government lies to you about it. Everybody dies. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, Um, I watch. But, like, is anyone finding dystopia, like, cathartic right now?
2: no, it I seems
1: really weird. I feel like dystopia. Not that, not that you're weird, Adriana. Adriana, we you're appreciate great. that you're reading 1984.
2: Dystopia had such a huge, you know, run. It had a good run, mm-hmm. you know. And 1984 is a classic, but you know, yeah. so much YA literature, um, and popular fiction was dystopian for the last 20 years. And I, I think you're right, Todd. Like a tide, a tide is turning. I watch the Hunger Games for fun. Uh, a couple months ago, and I was like, well, this was completely correct. Bye. Right. <laughs> um, it was just horrifying. It was, yeah. it had all that sense of fun was drained out of it. So interesting. Um, uh, I do see some magic on here Jonathan mm-hmm. Strange and M. Norrell and The Night Circus, which I wanted to shout out because I'm actually listening to that on audiobook right now. I don't Jonathan think Strange is great. Yeah, I have not read that one. The Night Circus, I, t- I don't feel is that good. But I'm still like, okay, magic. I'm here for Can it. Can
1: I tell you guys about the one thing that I've been reading that actually, like I've been reading it in piecemeal that has been bringing me both joy and release from the world? Yes. It's it's actually three things. I'm going to hold them up because they're giant and they're beautiful. Um, the first one is this beautiful black book With a skull called it? Coffin Cheaters. It looks and like it your is, high
2: school it, yearbook. But I'm it was... looks like your
1: high school yearbook. And it is a pictorial history of this um, outlaw motorcycle gang in what? the Inland Empire of California. I'm going to tell you where this all comes from in just a second. And it's it goes through and it talks about each of the members of this gang. And it, it shows like amazing art and pictures that they drew and wow. their poetry and all kinds of shit. So that's one book. The next book is called uh, um, Halfway to Burdue, 61 to 65. And it's another one of these amazing books. And it's also about a motorcycle gang in the Inland Empire.
0: (laughs) I'm sensing a theme.
1: And it goes through and it tells you about every single person they have a photo of that existed in this motorcycle gang. Wow. And it tells you about... Like someone will say something about them or a little bit of their history. So like Pop, uh, I laughed when I saw this photo of Pop on that Honda, looking like Dumbo with those big ears. Um, Pop kicked me. Pop kicked me out of the straight Satan's before Big Bob came along. Like what the hell is this about? So it's um, like an
0: oral history of, and then a visual yeah. history of. Oh, for,
1: or for like, this This is this guy named Gilbert. And the only memory of Gilbert is, all I remember is that his name was Gilbert. He was a Mexican guy who lived over by Dodger Stadium, right off of Coolidge Street, down by Dean Lanza's old house. It's like, what a, it's just this beautiful old photo of this outlaw gangster motorcycle guy on his bike. And then, the third book is uh, called Sir... Sir Grubbeth Glenn. Um, and it is again a pictorial history of this Wait, outlaw bike.
2: Yeah, Todd
1: you and lost it, your it's, audio. It's like old frozen. family photos and um, you know, Jeez. oral histories oh, of fires. this guy and pictures of him in prison and all kinds of shit. So I I got contacted by these folks on Instagram I don't know, <laughs> oh, no! a couple of months ago. And uh, they're like, hey, we we run a museum that's by appointment only in Southern California um, dedicated to the Western empire of outlaw motorcycle gangs. We'd love to have you come visit if that's an interest of yours. We know you write about gangster stuff. And I was like, "Yes, I will be there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this vast little pandemic. And they said, well, we'd love to send you some of these books that we put out. We think you'd be interested in them. Because I said, oh, you know, I'm working on this thing about the salt and sea. In the 1960s, do you have anything, you know, related to that that, you know, I could do some research on? And they're like, we got the perfect thing for you. And they sent me these three absolutely beautiful books. And I can just look at the pictures and read these little descriptions of these outlaw bikers all day long. That's awesome. It's the only thing giving me comfort. <laughs> the only- That and edibles.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah. I feel like getting into a subculture is a good move, too. Yes! Somebody else recommended, I can't find it now, but basically like a guide to being an astronaut in space. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Just geek out on something you're personally never going to do. I'm all about that. You know, It doesn't give you some kind of aspirational to-do list or whatever. You're just learning. Just getting into a learning zone is good.
1: I might um, I meant let talk to about bots.
0: the can we talk about the um uh Kate Branstetter uh quoted at length a river runs through it and Oh yeah yeah I, I that. found that so calming to read again <laughs> Uh, we we did an episode on our river runs through it. Uh, we did both the book and the movie, if I remember correctly. Yes. And the movie is not that great, but the 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 book really was uh, wonderful. And this quote that she she says. Uh, she had a professor in college read it to to calm them down. Uh I guess something she said some she's vague, but she says something traumatic happened there. And he read this to them out loud. And I I just reading her comment, I was like, yes, that, that I can see why like reading about fishing sounds really peaceful right now. Yeah. Um and it's 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 actually inspires me to 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 want to pick up some some good nature writing. Um, you know, similar to like the show May uh, that we read, you know, the idea of just like Getting back to basics and yeah. getting into a sort of meditative, uh, but it's hard. It's got to be short because I think you know I don't think I could handle like a a, a really long, uh, intense nature book right now. Like I don't want Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard or like I, I want something that's <laughs> like just a, like an, an essay, you know, or like a a series of moments uh, being in nature. That sounds really nice.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yes, the desire to be calm is strong. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I picked up a memoir called Miracle Country by a writer named Kendra Atley work um, that is being hailed for just what you're talking about, writer, about, you know, it's a nature memoir, but it all takes place up in Bishop, um, which is a remote part of California. Beautiful town. Yeah, beautiful. um, And it's a memoir that takes place entirely up there. I haven't started to read it yet. But it's been getting really wonderful reviews, and I just invited her out to um, our upcoming online MFA residency. But it's in it's in the High Desert Eastern Sierras, basically, um, or the Sierras in general. But what's I'm, the name of the book again? Miracle Country. I'm getting
2: it. so. Let me submit another mood for our consideration. Another theme that's popping out, which is humor. Um, I'm very interested in this as a subject. Like, is it possible to laugh right now? I mean, of course it's possible. Some people are doing it, but can you personally get there? Um, There's this David Sedaris book, Calypso, which was really good. I read that. Um, And then a couple people recommended, like, funny romance and things like that. Romantic
0: comedy. Are you
2: guys gravitating to comedy at all? Nope. Is it just... (laughs)
1: A uh, black only hole. black comedy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like watching The Boys or something like that, where it's right. like, oh, it's so funny. Everyone's heads blew up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no. I And, you know, I, I have a hard time with comic novels in general because I don't usually find them very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, comedy's hard. I mean, if, if I'm going to read comedy, it's going to be nonfiction. You know, it's going to be David Sedaris or Annabelle Gerwich or someone like that. Um, but I haven't been looking for it. I mean, and I'm one of those people that can laugh during. Traumatic experiences. I, you know, I, I believe that's that might be my one of my core essences. In fact, mm-hmm. um, trickster. But I don't. Uh, did you just call me a motherfucking trickster? <laughs> uh, man. It's but going I, on your gravestone. I uh, Todd Goldberg, trickster. I will take those words out of your mouth. I, but I haven't gone to it for reading entertainment. And really not for movies or TV or anything else either. It's really strange. Humor just has, it's just everything's so dark. I don't find, it's hard to laugh. Early on in the pandemic, uh, you know, I had,
0: I had my in-laws living with me and uh, my brother-in-law living with me. So we had a full household and we actually found it very comforting to watch uh, 80s comedies, like yeah, really yeah. predictable. So we watched um, Money Pit and Big Business, like as a family, and that was really great early on in the pandemic, I but I don't feel that impulse anymore. No, okay. like I, 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 my wife and I have been watching horror films, didn't I? <laughs> That's good. I mean, so, granted, I'm writing a horror film right now, so that makes sense. I, I can rationalize it, but it's also what we kind of want. Yeah. Oddly.
2: So you're putting we, your finger on something for me that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, so as everyone knows, I own a comedy theater, so this has been a really shocking experience to not have that. And it took... It's been a collective reality for everyone involved that I've talked to that the first month or two, not doing comedy, not seeing comedy regularly, it was like, whatever, we're adaptable. It was felt almost like a break. Yeah. After about three months, I think all my people, including me, started to, there was like this humongous, aching hole not mm-hmm. for being creative because there are so many other ways to be creative, but for being in a room with other people and laughing. And that's yeah, what's absolutely. different about a novel and like watching Seinfeld with your family is right. the purest experience of comedy. Other people must be there. Um, right. Like the fact this this blows my mind to think about like you haven't laughed in a physical room with strangers in mm. almost a year.
1: That's crazy. That is so mind boggling. <laughs> oh my you God. You know what I mean? What? Jesus Christ. And now, I haven't made people laugh in a room of strangers in almost a year. And then that's the, the that's other, my lifeblood.
2: I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> and for me, the other thing that I used to say, but now I really understand, is I literally had an appointment to laugh a minimum of three times a week for the last wow. 10 years wow that's
0: so interesting <laughs> so Jesus. to
2: take it away has been really crazy like just yeah. deeply deeply strange um and you know i think singers and musicians must feel this way too you yeah. know that they can't physically be together and make music and like these like physical experiences that we don't think of as physical experiences. We think of them as like intellectual experiences. Like, oh, I'll get my laughs from a book or I'll get my laughs from YouTube. You know, those are fun and great, but it is not the same as going oh, right. to a movie.
1: Physical presence. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah.
2: going to a stand-up show or going to an improv show.
1: Yeah. Um, I, really, I really miss live music. I, like, the I, Normally I see, you know, three or four concerts a year. And I'm just, I just crave it so much. And, you know, God bless my friends that are professional musicians. I'll, I'll give you your $10 and watch your live stream, but it is not the same. It's oh, the same. I know. That's a <laughs> no. conversation. You know?
2: Watching everyone pretend it's the same breaks man side, but I have to be one of the people that pretends.
1: <laughs> but that's, that's some, like <laughs> that's part of your job. Yeah, it's part of your job. But that's, that's, you know, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah. You know, that having that group dynamic of laughing or listening to music or seeing a play or watching a movie, th- there's nothing better than, I mean, there's, a few things that are better, but, but there's a, it's it's great to be in a movie theater with 300 people watching Independence Day, you know? Like, I remember that, watching oh, yeah. that movie in a movie theater and thinking, like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever experienced. And you watch it, and you're like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Harry yeah. Kong Jr. Yeah. is going to well, die. Well, same with me. I and <laughs> I was
2: 16 when Blair Witch came out. hmm Opening weekend. yeah. Everyone believed it was real. packed Pack right. Theater. I mean, that is not a replicatable experience at this point. You know, like, I'm like, yes, okay, Blind Manor, I'll watch you, I'll think about Turn of the Screw, great. But it is, it's not even the same realm of entertainment. Last
0: night we watched Onward, the latest Pixar film, and it was so depressing to realize that was the last movie we had seen as a family in the movie theater. We saw it probably a week before quarantine. And it was just like, because, you know, we go to the movies, we would go to the movies all the time. And like to, to, it just became it was it was it's already a very sad movie, uh, but t- t- it was doubly sad when it was sort of filtered through this. Oh, here we are 10 months later or eight months later watching the thing and thinking about the time we were all in the movie theater together, having so much fun. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm.
2: It's hard. It is and hard. I mean,
1: and that's what this this list of books, while really helpful about ways to get, you know, through this time, it is also a super isolating thing. You know, it's like, oh, I'm yeah. going to sit quietly by myself in a corner of my home and not speak to anyone some more.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe that's partly why audiobooks have been really working for me, you know, because yeah, it's, it's, it it's another a, voice. It's another voice. Right. <laughs> it's not just you sitting, you know, like if I choose to ignore my my wife and child or I take, you know, carve out the time to sit by myself and read a book. I, yeah, it takes a lot. It takes so much effort to get I I am rewarded by it. Most of the time, no matter what I'm reading, I am really rewarded by it, but it's just the initiative to sit down and do it that I'm finding just harder and harder these days.
2: So on the audiobook thing too, you know, and this could go for regular books as well. Like I have noticed, so one thing that the pandemic has given us is taken out a lot of the variables in our life, so you notice more what affects you. Right, right. Um, so, for example, if I don't go outside, that's gonna be a bad day for me., <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, but my life is markedly better when I'm in the middle of a good book, you know, oh, yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, like when you're
2: between sure. books or you're just starting and you're not really into it yet, like those are the bad days. But when you're like, Got to get to my book. That's all I have to live for now. Uh, That's, <laughs> yeah. It is the best feeling, like relearning and revisiting that feeling and just really just noticing it. Um, yeah. And I've experienced that more with audiobooks too, Ryder. It's like, yeah. can't wait to go into my alternate reality while I do my dishes. Or yeah, drive right. around. Um, I mean,
1: I gotta tell you guys, this is all really um, exciting for a person who's got a new book coming out in a couple months.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's pretty violent. Just, it's, it's crime. <laughs> it's crime. Yeah.
1: Right? I, I forgot. Like, oh, Can right, I record like, the audiobook?
0: Is, who's gonna do the audiobook?
1: Oh, I don't know. Not That's me. A, someone. Writer, <laughs> so, I would like you to do the audiobook. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like sometimes I forget. Oh, right. Like, I am a novelist. And I have a book coming out in February.
0: <laughs> I, you know what? That's a much better position than to be having a movie coming out right now. Oh, God, I feel so sorry. Me, I mean, I know filmmakers who, you know, 2020 was their year. Festivals so, and release dates and it's just all shut down. Or if it, you know, it's just everything gets shelved to VOD. It's so sad. It's yeah, the, the, the potential for a breakout movie in 2020. I mean, what are the Oscars going to look like this year? So I mean, weird. the
1: potential for breakout art in, in all realms is, you know, we're, we're about to hit a period, uh, listeners, I regret to inform you, where there's not going to be new television shows, <laughs> you know, where where there's not going to be a bunch of new movies on demand immediately, unless they're all shot in, you know, Latvia. Yeah. Um, but there will be new books, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and in fact, you're seeing uh, sales of books are up, incidentally. Yeah, um, which is good. 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 Which is a good sign. Great for me since I have a book coming out. But, um, you know, I, I think I think what's going to happen, too, is like when we're on the other side of all this, and I don't just mean the election. I mean, when the pandemic is over um, and we're allowed to do things like the last thing I'm going to want to do is go sit in a movie theater. I'm going to go travel like i'm gonna go i know travel many places i possibly can i'm gonna eat as many meals as i possibly can i'm gonna be so overweight filled with ribs i can't even begin to tell you um but like what happens at at that point like when we all when all of us are allowed out again what will the world look like we've never we're living in history so who knows what what it will look like
0: i think i think concerts will be crazy i think everybody's gonna go on tour Mm -hmm. And there's going to be so like, everybody's going to be out at con because exactly what Julia said, like, and I think there'll be a resurgence of live theater. Um, I think any opportunity to be in a room full of strangers clapping and laughing and cheering or listening to music together or dancing together, like that's going to be, there's going to be like such an emphasis on human contact and physical, um, you know, proximity and and shared emotions. Like I, I, there's something beautiful about that. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I definitely I, think those areas. I do you know are gonna- that,
1: um, like my MFA students. So we we have, as you both know, um, we have twice a year. We have ten day in person residencies. We've had to cancel. And we do it all online now, and everyone's like, "Man, when you guys when we have residency again, it's gonna be like Caligula. Like it's yes. just gonna <laughs> be." A Bacchanal. And I'm like, there will be learning. I just <laughs> want you all to know that. It's still school, but people are like, I can't wait to just like go to a poetry oh, reading. And I'm like, yeah. So there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of pent up emotion that art is going to help um, release, release in addition yeah. to outdoor barbecues and the like. But we got to get there. And the only way to get there right now is to not die of herd immunity. Um, mm-hmm. And that means... Someone should become the new president, and soon.
0: Uh, and if you're listening to this mm-hmm. and election day has not
1: passed, vote, please, vote. please, please oh, vote, God. please vote, please, please, please vote. I mean, look, um, I, I pledge to get through whatever happens next for the next four years, but I really don't want to do it. <laughs> Donald Trump is president again. Oh God. I feel like I feel like good news is coming, people. And I hope I don't have to listen to this podcast in two weeks and want to hang myself.
0: Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter, at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody. Thanks for listening.